Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. Hi, I'm Kiki Luya, the Executive Director of Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Shift Work. In the last six months, some 6,500 restaurants have closed their doors, and there's never been a time when restaurants and their 12 million workers have been more vulnerable. It's time to transform hospitality. With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, We're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. What does it really take to make that experience happen? And who are the countless workers responsible? We're talking porters, cleaning crew, prep cooks, servers, baristas, hosts, bartenders, barbacks, managers, sommeliers, and chefs. I'll also introduce you to organizations that are leading industry transformation. We'll discuss mental health, fair pay, racial justice, and how hospitality can change for the better. We need it. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app. In the Tuxpan region of Jalisco, like in many regions of Mexico, agave spirits are integrated into the fabric of daily life. They're part of the religion, literally, the spirits, and they're almost always called some form of mezcal locally, even though they are not certified. The spirits are served at every one of the community's many religious fiestas. So when the production of these spirits is at risk, literally the cultural heritage of the entire community is at risk. And that's what's happening in one community in Tuxpan. Don Arturo is a fifth generation mescalero or palenquero or tabanero or really tachiquero because that's what his family calls their little distillery, a tachica. It was built by Don Arturo's father, who learned the craft from his father, who learned the craft from his father. And add one more father, because Don Arturo is, as I say, fifth generation. So Don Arturo's Tachica is a hillside gem, a couple of clay-topped steel pot stills, in-ground fermenters, and an earthen oven overlooking a forested hillside. But that hillside is eroding. The rains from the extreme weather that has been plaguing the region in recent years is literally washing away Don Arturo's little distillery and threatening to take with it the community's cultural heritage. With the financial support we're receiving from 818 Tequila, Sacred is rebuilding Don Arturo's family tachica. Or really what we're doing is we're fortifying it so as not to interrupt that heritage. We're rebuilding and reinforcing the hillside that has been eroded, creating a retaining wall that will secure the location. Above that, to serve as a buffer for the weakest part of the earth, we're building a modest tasting room where the locals can sit and enjoy the view of that forested hillside when they come to purchase Don Arturo's Vino de Mezcal. And we're building a structure around Don Arturo's earthen oven so that his tapatas are no more at the whim of the changing weather patterns than his rebuilt tachica will be. This effort to preserve Don Arturo's family business and the cultural heritage of this community in Southern Jalisco is only possible because of a grant sacred received from 818 Tequila. To learn more about this and the other projects 818 Tequila is funding, please visit us at sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. The earth is home to all of us, and we're honored to have been selected by 818 Tequila as their partner in making it a more welcoming home.
I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Green Gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And and rural other places, too. And I think that's uh, what the episode is going to be about today. Rural places. Are well, we talking about Detroit again? No, no, no. Like, do we have an interest <laughs> in talking about Ecuador, Guatemala, Honduras? We have... Not only the interest to talk about Mexico, I believe. Oh, wait. What are we talking about this episode? You've confused me. <laughs> no, I, no, no. I, like, I think this is a perfect way to start confusing you. It's always a great place to start an episode. And it's not a hard place uh, to get no, to. No, it's easy. <laughs> but today we're talking about something that actually should be in the name of our show. I think it's a big uh, problem we have about the name of Agave Road Trip, which will be huh. Agave and Sotol Road Trip. Oh, well, okay, sort of, kind of, yes. I mean, have we even, I don't think we've done a single episode on Sotol. Oh, we've that, that's Lirio, no. So I think the first thing to explain is, uh, and, and this is very confusing, uh, and it's very related to the fact that in some places they call mezcal agave. So the plant, the, the agave <laughs> sure. in some places of Mexico, they call it mezcal. And then it's funny. There's there's a little grocery store uh, uh, just a few blocks from me here in Chicago. And one day I went in there. This is years ago now, but one day I went in there and they had in the um, in the the veggie and fruit section these little the same kind of packages you'd buy uh, raw meat in. You know that same kind of little styrofoam mm. with the plastic wrap around it, except that it was cooked agave oh, wow. and it was labeled mezcal. There you go. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm thinking. Well, this I can't drink this, but hey, I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> exactly. So, so in some places, mezcal is a plant, and uh, I think this explains the confusion. When sometimes people talk about sotol, they are talking sometimes about the drink, and sometimes about the plant. Yeah, do you, like? Do have you ever heard it called anything else in Mexico? Cucharilla. Oh, okay. So yeah, fair enough. So cucharilla, but only that's only if you're in Oaxaca. Oaxaca? Correct. Maybe Puebla. Uh, Oaxaca. Oaxaca, okay. Yeah, yeah, but but, but my point is just simply like how often do they call it? And even there, they refer to it as an agave. They, actually, I haven't had that conversation. Oh, I have. Well, I have. Oh, I have. I had a little bit of that conversation, but they do know the distinction. They know that they are like a... So, okay, even before we try to discuss how do people <laughs> perceive this, which actually, like, I don't even know what we're talking about that because we're not those people... Uh, no. We have to explain <laughs> scientifically what is the difference, or not scientifically, but just like in terms of facts, <laughs> what is the difference between agave and sotol? Uh, well, if we're talking facts, then you're the one who's doing the talking. So uh, the f way that somebody explained this to me, which I think is uh, what makes the most sense, is that, you know, that a dog is not the same as a wolf. Well, kind of. I mean, they're kind. They're related, exactly, but they're not the same species at all. They are not Can't the same they? family. They, they're different families. And there's actually a very. Uh, I hate this, and I have to claim that. But like the botanical part is my weakest part in the whole mezcal <laughs> uh, context. But you know how when you are character uh, categorizing plants, you have the genus, the family, then all yeah, these different. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Sotol and Agave get to a certain point. And I yeah. think we should definitely should have Wikipedia in front of us when we're uh, saying this. But uh, <laughs> eh, Let the listeners pull up yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. We're going to give you that homework. And Sotol and Agave are very closely related until it gets to a certain moment of specificity. 
and then they become different things. But they're both succulents. Yes, correct. They share that, for yeah, example. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, they, yeah. there's, I think it's the level under succulents where they start sharing, uh, where, where they become different things. Yeah. You know, the thing I find most interesting in uh, terms of the differences between the two is agave, like if it's going to seed, it's burning up all of the energy that you'd want to use to convert <sighs> into fermentable sugars to make booze, right? Yep. So if it's going to seed, if it's having them babies... Then them forget babies. about it, you, them babies. Forget about it. You can't use it for the booze. On the other hand, with Sotal, it has babies. It can have babies a few times before you harvest it and to make booze out of it, which is, you know, when, for people who talk about, oh, I want to save the agave. We need we need to be sustainable. It's like, okay, then start making Sotal. Uh, it comes with a few challenges that we're going to talk about later. But yes, that is correct. The Sotol can have many quiotes within its lifetime and still be usable for making alcohol. Fascinating. Okay, yeah. so what else? So, uh, there, real interesting thing about Sotol is that you can process it exactly the same as you process agave. You're gonna exactly the same. Exactly the same. I'm sure Cook it underground, steam it above ground, use an autoclave. You can use, you can use a diffuser. Is anyone using a diffuser to make Sotol? I wouldn't believe so. But mm. yeah, it's just, mm. yeah, but it, so you, the tradition of Sotol making and agave spirits making, it's tremendously similar. And sometimes I've even seen in places in the north where there's like a few Sotoles inside the mm. cooking pit uh, where they're cooking agave. You know, they found a few. Oh, they doing a little ensemble, there. making a mezzotol, if you will. Yes. Uh, by, by, <laughs> by, <laughs> by accident or not, you know, they were in the mountain, they found a few Sotoles. But the Sotol does have a few challenges. And, uh, you know, it's funny for me because as much as we talk about it, I think in the more specialized agave spirits world, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't have a lot of data about its production. I know a few things, but I don't know the specific numbers about it. I know that it tends to have less bricks count, less sugars mm -hmm. than, than, than most agaves. So you're going to get less alcohol out of a certain yeah. amount of, of kilograms of Sotol. Yeah. And I know too that it tends to be challenging to ferment. So a few of the people that I've interviewed that do Sotol, they add tertiary things. Uh, I've heard about they add grass, some types of grasses really? to some types of barks into the fermentation huh. tank okay. to aid fermentation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But again, like I've never... Uh, have you ever been to a production site where they're making Sotol when you were there? Uh, you know, I, 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 I think I have. And and what, the reason I say it that way is I think I've been at Gilberto's um, when he was making Sotol. Well, that's where I saw the, the few cheeky Sotolis around. In, in the, in the, uh, Gilberto Roldan happens to be in Durango. Uh, he he produces <laughs> Nombre de Dios. And he produces for so many brands these days. Uh, he's, he's like the rock star <laughs> over there. And, uh, but yeah, like I've never been, uh, for a long time at a Palenque Vinata or you call it where they're just making Satol. So it's, it's hard for me to even be able to be very sure to say that it's extremely similar to, to how they produce agave. I wouldn't know the, the specific tiny distinctions that you have to do in, in the production. Sure, 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 sure. 
Okay, so that's what we're talking about? Well, sort of, kind of. Uh, first, <laughs> first, I think Satol, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I think we're going to come back to it in different episodes, uh, trying to yep. get more specific about it. Uh, we might go visit some, some producers to get to answer a lot of the questions that I have about it. But I think right now, uh, because we are a very trend-oriented podcast. <laughs> Is that how you say it in English? <laughs> yes. You're talking about the way that I dress now, how trendly I dress. Yeah, sure. No, I'm talking more about like we react <laughs> to what's happening out there in the in the mezcal world. It seems <laughs> that right now Satoli is in the middle of a funny controversy. And the controversy in a way is related to the fact that Sotol is a very common sight in the south of the United States, correct? Yeah. Well, so you can find Sotol in a number of states, but predominantly in Texas. And, and Arizona. And Arizona, that's correct. Yeah. As a consequence, you've got some brands that are popping up now who are producing Sotol on this side, uh, the USA side um, of the border, and so tall, there's a there's a DO within Mexico, a denomination of origin um, uh, in Mexico, but it's not recognized by the USA. It's so not? you've got it's not recognized by the USA. No, 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 not at all. Oh, not at all. Yeah, like so the USA doesn't uh, doesn't buy into the whole uh, denominations of origin thing. Instead, it has individual. Uh, treaties with different countries. And so in essence, it says, hey, Mexico, I'll tell you what, you guys respect our thing called bourbon. So you can't, nothing in your, made in your country can be called bourbon because they used to make bourbon in Mexico. Nothing in your country can be called bourbon. Uh, and then we're going to recognize mezcal and tequila. Mm. And, you know, and I'm not saying that that's literally the exchange, but in essence, that's what happens is, you know, we agree to this in the USA. You agree to that in Mexico or in France or wherever we're, we're, we're uh, having the conversation. Um, and so yeah, I don't it's funny. I don't know if we've never had the conversation about so tall. I don't know if we were just like, nah, we don't care about that. You can't you know, we're not going to trade you anything for that. Yeah, um, so or, tiny too. It's so ridiculously tiny. Which, which is a, it might well, be that anyway, it's just yeah. not on any any. Yeah, might be no politician has it on their radar. I just I don't know what the truth is. Mm. But you know, but what we do know is <laughs> there are people in Texas who are making uh, and uh, and marketing uh, so tall legally here. And you know, and 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 one piece of that, you know, there's there's some, as you can imagine, there's some outrage, um, both in Texas and in Mexico, uh, over this practice. And one piece of that is uh, is people screaming, "Hey, hey!" There's this uh, this whole tradition, and you need to respect our do. And then on this side, that's in you know Mexico and and here in the USA, but then on the USA side. If they want to use, if these if these brands want to use so tall as the sugar source to make their spirit, hmm. what else can they call it? You have to label it something. <laughs> the TTB, the, the the tax bureau of the USA says you've got to label where the sugars come from. In this case, it's so tall, so you have to put so tall on your label. Can you just name it Dacilidion? Da, da like, can you just use the scientific name? I know that's a very sexy. Uh. Uh, name for and uh, very easy to remember for marketing. Uh, so <laughs> De, is that Desilirion <laughs> spirits? You know, I, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but what I do know is people use the word so tall and have used the word so tall in Texas for a long time. 
So, of course, they've also used the phrase desert spoon. So maybe, <laughs> you know, I, it's it's an interesting question. But I'll tell you, my, my takeaway from this, mm-hmm. and I... You know, this is going to catch hell with a couple of friends of mine, but I'm used to catching hell these yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah, Controversial yeah, yeah. Lou, watch out. Oh, okay, here. that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like people are outraged and saying you need to respect the denomination of origin and some of the exact, and they're saying this to the, the Texas brands. And, you know, the two <laughs> Texas brands that I'm thinking of, right, one of them is being incredibly respectful and is actually working with, uh, with people who are in the so tall world mm. to develop their brand and to literally make their their so tall? And the other brand is just like screw it, we're gonna do what we want. Um, but but so the the outrage that I'm hearing from some people is respect the denomination of origin. You need to respect it. <laughs> and those are the exact same people who yell at me when I refuse to use the word mezcal for spirits that are not cert agave spirits that are not certified as mezcal like i'm actually respecting that denomination of origin in some ways um and yet i catch hell from those exact same people for doing so well i think that actually the the and, and that's funny because i don't know anybody in the context that is a great fan of denominations of origin i think that most of the <laughs> kids that i know in this context would always say that the DOs are not definitely strengthening the the traditional practices that make these spirits a beautiful thing to behold. So right, na- and, and and obviously I'd agree with you. And obviously there are brands who would say that we're out of our minds and we don't understand. And and you know what? To be fair, they may be right. So you know, uh, when I, when I was a teenager, I was very much into ska. And uh, <laughs> actually, my favorite ska group is playing in Mexico City in a few months. And, I, and I've been... Who's that? Escape. Uh, There's some Spaniard kids. Really, really cool uh-huh. kids. And uh-huh. if we couldn't get into copyright problems, I would love to feature the song that I'm going to mention here. Uh, I think people are going to think a lot less of me if they were to know, like now that they know that I like Escape. But anyway, I was 14 years old, so whatever. And they have this... <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell are you going with this? Well, they have this song and where they are trying to explain that radical nationalisms have never given us anything that is very pretty. You know, like if you think of any any radical nationalism, it has given us groups of people that have not been very fortunate when when you read history. So they suggest like any Mm -hmm. multinational effort, any effort that tries to bring two countries together to acknowledge that they're more similar than what they thought and that they had more traditions in common and that their people might like similar things and are in a way melting the borders between them through very simple Mm -hmm. gestures as just, we happen to share traditions, we happen to like the same flavors, we happen to like the same booths, might be politically extremely relevant more Mm -hmm. in the days that we're living. So, well... Well, and as I think we've said many, many times about mezcal, the the denomination of origin for mezcal, it's hard for me to imagine that this do for Sotal, it's really hard for me to imagine that it's it's easy for the smallest producers, the, the ones who are carrying on the you know the the multi generational wisdom, uh, it's hard for me to imagine that they're part of it. 
that they are easily accessing that uh, the right to use that word and to market under that word. And, um, and that they have representation in the organism that is going to be in charge of, yeah. uh, of, uh, of, of saying like, yeah, you qualify as a tool and you don't qualify as a tool, right? So, yeah. So from that standpoint, you know, having uh, uh, some gringos uh, <laughs> appear on this side of the border, some Yankees, um, having them participate in something called so tall to me in a way strengthens the ability of these small producers who maybe can't afford to or don't have any idea how to or or maybe don't qualify for the gnome to access that word so tall that in a way maybe it protects them and and again this is this is sheer speculation <laughs> on my point because we don't we don't travel well, in that, that circle. And, and even even if you don't consider that i just believe that you know there's a handful of humans that are very active on social media that know what sotol is but if i talk to 98 of the kids that i know that are not obsessed with spirits and i tell them about sotol it's not something that it's in their imaginations it's not something that they can act, like recognize as a name and i think that for something that it's these days so tiny it will really mm -hmm. benefit if there's more efforts from different directions trying to make it prominent. And if this is something, again, like for me, the most important part of this is this might be a beautiful exercise of saying the U.S. and Mexico, we share so many things in common. And yeah, there is a political border between us, but there's so many traditions, there's so many uh, botanical aspects to to our both territories that makes us uh that makes similar and that makes us like that we get to be humanized by sharing these things and i think when you humanize the person above or under the border you are less likely to do horrible things to them yes and yet <laughs> some of the exchanges we're reading online I Suggest to me that they want to do horrible things to each other on either side of the border. Well, like, you know what? And I like, we need to wrap this up. And I think that this is what I called uh, mezcal teenagehood. I remember when I jumped into mezcal <laughs> at the beginning, and a big part of my discourse was protect. And, and crystal meth. Hey. <laughs> no. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of your discourse was to protect the purity, the purity and, uh, and, and the absolute untouched tradition that mezcal represented and the more i visit places the more i drink stuff the more i understand what a lot of these artisans want for the future it is very clear for me that it has nothing to do with the purity of it it has to do with its capacity to be transformed in the future, to keep enriching itself, to reach other communities, other places, other countries, and to have relevance in those places that have never thought about this. And I think that if you take it and put it in a crystal box and leave it untouched, you are losing so much. You are losing the capacity for this spirit to evolve into something that we don't quite know what it is right now, but I think could be really beautiful. Huh. Okay, well, that sounds like a good stopping point, John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, Senor Lu, uh, I, I think I'm going to drink a few, little bit of Sotol after this because it made me thirsty talking so much about the Silirion, and I hope you too. <laughs> I, I sure will. Hasta pronto. <laughs> Adios, vato. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. 
Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound Engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at gabberroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.